You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What up? How's it going? Feels good it's to be going. back. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were saying it feels good to be back. It, does, it feels good to be back. It's been a while. It has been for a while. Us. For Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where this will fall in the scheme of Who knows? the episodes. Just know it's been a while. Yeah. That as of this recording, it's been a while. We have not been on the, on the stools with the mics for quite some time. It's such an interesting it's a, statement, you know, that yeah, one. I was, it's just, we should probably just say back in the saddle, because <laughs> it's vague <laughs> and it communicates more clearly. Uh, I do, I you know, either or, honestly. I mean, back for on different the stools, reasons. Back on the saddle. <laughs> saddle. I think everyone would appreciate us to just say saddle. <sighs> that is, that's possible. Yeah. You know, I, I feel a little tired myself. Oh, me too. Man, I, we're uh, so weak. I finished that, yeah, that's true. I finished my coffee and everything, and it's as if it never happened. Wow. I'm going to overcome that with my sheer excitement to be back on the saddle. Yeah, wow, you're really... In, you, in the saddle, I got that wrong. Back like on the saddle, just on it generically. No, <laughs> no, is there a horse underneath that saddle? Theoretically, but I believe it's back in the saddle. Probably. Yeah. Prepositions are important. I am not what you would call an outdoorsman. Mm. And I think they know about saddles. <laughs> That's fair. But, you know. They will see through your farce yeah. and will be discouraged oh, by your lack of knowledge. Wow. Yeah, like guess that? what we're talking about? What are we talking we're about? We're talking about discouragement. Whoa. That's wild. It's so wild. That's wild. No, that is what we're talking about. Yeah, 100%. Which is, yeah, that's a little bit of a downer topic, but our aim is to be helpful. Are there any two more perfect people to talk about discouragement than the most depressive people <laughs> on the, staff? The staff of Horizons Church. And the other I person say, is actually recording us. Recording us It's right incredible. Now. This is the saddest house <laughs> in town. We say with laughter because <laughs> if we don't laugh, we'll uh, cry. Yeah. <laughs> and not for the fun movie reasons. For like the scary real life despair <laughs> reasons. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Discouragement is a real problem though. Uh, not just for us. It's a problem for all people. Mm -hmm. I think. And I know that in my own work as a pastor, that's what I do. It's not uncommon for me in the course of a week to have conversations with folks who are really dealing with some very, very deep discouragement over any number of issues. And those are just the discussions he has with me. <laughs> just, just every yeah. week, Ethan walks into my office and just <laughs> counsel me. <laughs> Dark night oh, of my soul yep. is here again. Wow, throwing back here. First Reformed, the movie. First yes. Reformed. That the is scene what I started to think of as well. Where um, Reverend Jeffers is talking to Reverend Toller. And mm. like, You're always in the garden. Even Jesus wasn't always in the garden. Like, I felt that. Yeah, I felt that on a on a deeply personal level. It also made me defensive. Yeah, uh, like, Reverend told him, "Like, yeah. listen, he wants to be in the garden. Yeah, come Let on, him, man. He likes gardening. Sometimes we can't help it." <laughs> <laughs> But what we want to get to in our discussion today is not just an acknowledgement right, of right, discouragement right. and the despair that discouragement can lead to, because I think that's something that our culture is kind of trying to figure out right now. And what I mean by that is we're making a good effort, I think, to try to remove the stigma around, say, depression, yeah. uh, despair, mental illnesses. You don't have to sweep all those it under issues. the rug. Yeah, like don't just push that under the rug. Like talk to somebody, Certainly. get some help. Absolutely. But I think some of the problems 
problem I'm seeing from that personally is that if we're not careful, it becomes this thing where we kind of normalize is probably not quite well, the right word. But okay, so some, a way you've described it before that really resonated with me is that we can sometimes wear it like a badge. Yeah. And I relate to that on such a deep level. Yeah. There's something that is almost familiar Something mm-hmm. that's almost comfortable about kind of wearing maybe my anxiety or mm-hmm. discouragement yeah. like a uniform. Like mm-hmm. it's a part of, oh, it's just, it's a facet of my character now. Yeah. It's not a problem. It's literally, it makes me unique. Yeah. It's very easy to fall into that trap. It is. And it's not a fun or good place to no, it's be. it's horrifically you know? miserable. It's not it's good. basically crippling. Yeah. And... I think we're, if we're not careful, we get ourselves into a place where so yeah. we wear it like a badge and we miss the point in the stigma being removed around it and talking about it, which is to help us get out of it you exactly. know? and, and uh, find a little light in life again. It's, you yeah, know? It's, only, cool. it's only like the first half of what's so difficult is just the acknowledgement, but there's so much right. more, quite honestly, so much more that, that's difficult from that point. That's, you yeah. know. So I guess the place for us to start in this particular discussion, because this is going to be just a 20 to 30 minute podcast, <laughs> we're not professional therapists uh not even as far as i know ethan's not a licensed counselor i don't think he's gone out and Mm, not even once gotten his you know license you know at night school or something as far as i know i like the idea though i like that you think that could have happened (laughs) (laughs) but it is something that we have we joke but i think uh we have uniquely dealt with and yeah. trying to figure that out in a healthy way. I think we have some thoughts to sure. place before our audience and uh, some things that I I feel like I need to get to know somebody's specific scenario Absolutely. in order to most help them. And it's always a case with a particular like a podcast like this. It's like I really want to get to know someone's specific scenarios and their issues and what's going on in their life before I really say anything. Well, every circumstance is unique. Yeah. But I do think there are, that said, some general... Yeah, there are general threads of commonality. Right, when it comes especially to discouragement. And as a starting point, I think it's helpful to understand why we get discouraged. Because I think it's sometimes easy to think of discouragement as this one kind of generic blanket thing. Mm. Like, I'm just discouraged. And we don't really get to the root of why we're feeling discouraged. And I think that's a big part of getting past it and beyond it. Yes. And before we get too far into this discussion here, I think I first realized how these dynamics played out. This is probably... Oh, five years ago now, almost five years ago. I was at Liberty University at the time. I was finishing up my junior year, starting my junior year, somewhere in there, junior year college at Liberty, studying pastoral leadership, working at a church. By all accounts, my life was good, but I can so vividly remember this moment where I was sitting at my desk in my house. I was living in a house at the time with two other guys, really good friends of mine. And I was sitting at my desk. It was late at night, which is unusual for me because I'm not normally up late, but I was really, really feeling discouraged. And at this point, my discouragement had actually begun to spiral into this full-blown spiritual depression and despair. And I can remember, I mean, like the lamp on my desk, the way it looked, the way the wall looked. I just remember this moment so vividly. Absolutely. And I remember contemplating, like, I'm done. Not with like life, but I mean, just like (laughs) done with ministry. I'm done studying. I'm out of this. Like I had just become so discouraged and depressed. I was just about ready to phone it in. Like literally I had my supervisor at my church at the time. Oh, wow. I had his phone number up, ready to call him and say, listen, I just, I can't keep doing this anymore. And I'm going to like drop this. I need to go do something else. I'm going to drop Liberty next year. I don't know what's going on. And before I called him, I think I just remember thinking like, well, why am I feeling this way? 
why? Like, mm. how did I get here? And I thought about it and I was praying through it and I ended up not calling him. I ended up calling my father and I was like, you oh. need to like, can you help me just think through how I got here? And we talked for a long time and we found that I had become a little disillusioned. It had started with just this little bit of disillusionment around something a friend of mine had said really? in a class. Yeah. Something about how we do all this stuff, but nobody really cares. And he just kind of said it nonchalantly, you know, like yeah. not a big deal, but it like, it stuck with me and I didn't deal with it. I just kept putting it off, you know, like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal, but it kept turning in my mind. And then I'm a catastrophizer anyway. So oh, yeah. I always take things to their worst conclusion. And I just kept doing that over and over again until I thought like, this is all purposeless. You know, like there's no meaning. There's no reason I should devote my life to doing this work because right. nobody cares. It's like week in and week out, you're dealing with the same stuff. It spiraled in this full-blown depression. And how I ended up getting out of it was getting to the root of why it had started addressing that you're issue. Right. right. And you know, I ended up realizing, oh, this is like ridiculous. Like uh, this work is very meaningful. God uses this to help all kinds of people. He's doing all kinds of amazing things. I've seen him do all kinds of amazing things through the work of pastoral and church ministry. And uh, why would I want to do anything else with my life? I know this is the calling God's put on my life. So that story has become kind of formative for me for understanding wow. how discouragement works. So all that to say, just as a, uh, a launching point here, we need to understand why we were discouraged. Yeah. And uh, if we're in a full-blown spiritual depression why we're there and i think that's a helpful first step not always that simple but right it's so helpful i can ask a layman's clarifying question when you yes. say spiritual depression mm -hmm. you're drawing a distinction yeah so i think that there are medical forms of depression that sometimes and i said i'm not a medical professional but there are people who have chemical imbalances right. like literally like there's no reason right it just it happens <laughs> there's just no explanation for it it's it's a chemical imbalance right you could search all day long and there's a different form of help you probably need. When I think like spiritual depression, I'm talking like, well, the kind of things we're going to be talking about oh, in this episode. What a tease. Um, yeah, you know, you know, we got to do that. got to keep people <laughs> listening, you know, can't give it all up front. But spiritual depression, you know, general circumstantial depression, I'd, I guess I'd kind of lump those okay. together, from at least in my own a, experience. Here I am yeah. speaking without experience, but we're talking about something that comes from more of a psychological, yeah. emotional mm -hmm. root. Yeah, not something that's chemical or medicinal okay. or something like that. That's a whole other separate set of issues that this I'm is, absolutely 0% qualified to talk this about. This has been your WebMD segment yeah. <laughs> from the Horizons Church podcast. <laughs> so the question, why do we get discouraged? I think in general, in my own experience, I found you can break that down into three kind of distinct categories. Uh, okay. um, and it, it is most general, again. The first being, I think we can become discouraged because of our own sinfulness and our own sinful choices. Mm, sure. And I think that's one that's typically perhaps maybe not swept under the rug, but that one's not talked about as often in our culture, our day, our time, even in our modern Western churches. Yeah. I think we want to typically take discouragement first to some other cause, which is nothing necessarily wrong with that. But sometimes we're discouraged. We can experience discouragement simply because we've made a sinful- Our own failings. Yeah. Foolish choice yeah. that our conscience is now convicting us. You know, the Holy Spirit's right. convicting us. In fact, Jeremiah, he says it like this, Jeremiah 8, 9, the wise will be put to shame. All right. So the wise, I mean, these are people who knew what was up, at least at one point. He says, the wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and snared. In other words, they're going to be discouraged. Why? Because they have rejected 
the word of the Lord. In other words, they have chosen sin over the instruction of God over living according to his law and his precepts. And of course, that's going to lead to discouragement. Sure. I mean, I don't even think, you know, in something uh, innocuous is not the right word. But if I say something curt and rude to someone that I care about, mm-hmm. I will almost immediately, because I know I, I'm guilty of this more often than I'd like to be, I immediately feel like, oh, crap, yeah. I feel like a bag of poop. Yeah. You know, you know that feeling where you're just like, you know, you know you made the wrong choice yeah, in the heat no, of the moment, like something came and you're like, ah. Oh. There's no talking to yourself out of it. Yeah. And you can feel discouraged because of that. Mm-hmm. Paul actually, he calls it godly grief. He says godly grief can lead to repentance that leads to life. Sure. So that can actually be a good thing. If you're feeling discouraged because of sin, that means your conscience and your heart are still alive, you know, still beating and uh, yeah. you recognize the error of your ways. And that can actually be a good thing if it's turned around. Right. If it's not dealt with, he says uh, worldly grief leads to death. Yeah, and I also think like we have a tendency we can we can have this genuine moment of repentance mm-hmm. and forgiveness and then still carry that around with us yeah like, absolutely like a chain like it's some form of penance mm-hmm. there are certain times where i think that discouragement and that feeling you have may be a little inevitable mm-hmm. in those moments yeah and i do think there are some moments where when we have repented and we've <laughs> confessed our sins to the person we've offended oh. i think that's a big step in this yeah i think there are moments where we sometimes will do all that but we have not really laid hold of the promise that God has forgiven you. Right. Like you need to trust that promise and we wear that like a badge, like I'm performing. You said penance. I like mm-hmm. that because that's the kind of like, I got to flagellate myself, man. Like I just got to, you know, I got to live with this and bear it. Like, well, if you've confessed again to God and the person you've offended and wronged and you're, you know, doing what you can to make it right yeah. to them, then no, like you don't, at least not self-inflicted. Right. But that's one reason you can become discouraged because of your sin. And if sure. that's the, if that's what's going on, you need to deal with that. But another reason we can become discouraged is because of the discipline of the Lord, which is a definitely a much less popular <laughs> uh, notion and concept to talk about. But the discipline of the Lord can, if we're not fully aware of what's going on, can lead us to feel discouraged. And Isaiah, he says in 26, 16, of his own book. Wow, that sounds really like you're just like, oh, Isaiah in his own book. It just sounds weird. <laughs> but Isaiah 26, 16 says, Lord, they went to you in their distress. Right, so they're feeling distressed. They're feeling discouraged. They poured out whispered prayers because your discipline fell upon them. So there is this moment where piggybacking off of what you were saying earlier is there can be moments where the Lord has chosen to discipline us because of our sin, because of our choices, because of our complicity. And that can lead to a feeling of discouragement. And it can lead us to a place where if we're not careful, we think, oh, the Lord is, he hates us now, you know, like he's, he's forsaken us, he's punishing us, we're bearing his wrath. And what I think is important to remember in those moments is what Isaiah said is they still went to the Lord, even mm. though they were feeling distressed. They still poured out prayers, even if they were whispered, yeah. they poured them out. And the author of Hebrews actually even draws us out. He says, do not grow weary, implying there were people who were growing weary and being discouraged under the discipline of the Lord. Why? Because he disciplines the children whom he loves Ooh. and he's using it to bring you back. Yeah. So it's not something where, again, I think we tend to immediately think, oh, God hates me now. This is his wrath. Well, again, Paul wrote that uh, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation. So any discipline that the Lord exercises in your life is not wrath. That's his promise. It's it's his love and his work to bring you back to himself and bring you back to the path of life. But it can lead to discouragement if you're not cognizant of that, if you're not aware of that. But I think the most common reason for discouragement that I face and that I see in the lives of those who I talk to on a 
semi-regular basis is they become discouraged because of resistance to the gospel or just simple life circumstances. Like hey, there's, it's not because of their own sinful choices necessarily. It's not because the Lord is disciplining them. It's just because sometimes life sucks. Absolutely. There are people that you love that they're making perhaps foolish choices. Mm-hmm. There are people who have perhaps wounded you. Perhaps just life is just more difficult than you thought it would be that uh, you were expecting to have it all figured out by now. Or you were thinking... <laughs> Wow, this season of difficulty would surely be over by now. Right. And it's not. And that can really discourage the heart and the soul. Absolutely. The good news is, is that uh, people even like Paul dealt with this. He was no stranger to this. In fact, what he says in 2 Corinthians 1.8 is, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Yeah. Oh, boy. In other words, Paul was at the point where he's ready to die, in other words. Like, that's how discouraged and depressed he is and the absolute throes of despair. And we don't think of Paul like that. No. At least I don't. That's not my first image of Paul. (laughs) Like, I see him as someone who suffered and faced trouble, affliction, persecution. Mm -hmm. But I see him as the guy who's, like, writing the letter of Philippians in prison. You know, he's like, rejoice in everything. I've learned the secret of being content even while I'm here, you know, in prison and and hunger and and persecution and Like the prime example. Yeah. But here he is in second Corinthians saying, yeah, no, at this point I was so burdened beyond my own strength that I was ready to die. I despaired of life itself. And that was just because of the life circumstances that he was facing at that time. In fact, later in second Corinthians seven, five, in fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. Ooh, okay. So in other words, not because of sin, not because of discipline, he was dealing with, you know, there's conflicts in the church. You know, there are people in the church that are at each other's throats. There are probably people who are fighting against him and his work in the gospel. And then he's got anxieties within. In fact, uh, he he says, ah, oh, now I'm blanking if it's 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. One of those two letters where he says, I have a daily anxiety for the churches. And so he's dealing with both these external and internal factors that are discouraging him. And he feels like he can't get any rest. And it's really throwing him for a loop. And I think that's the most common reason that we tend to face discouragement is for reasons like that. Like we've got, you know, conflict on one side and then our own anxieties inside anxieties that aren't about like bad things. It's like we have a natural anxiety. for It's a natural response. Right. Like, oh gosh, what about my children? You know, or what about uh, these people that I love? Why can't they get along? And all these, these things that just, they just eventually wear you down and they'll discourage you. And you have to recognize that, I think, because if we don't, if we don't recognize why we're feeling discouraged, you can end up like me or Paul where, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm ready to forsake, you know, everything I've spent, you know, my whole life leading up to. And Paul's like, I just despair of life itself. Yeah. And we, we have to recognize why it is that we're feeling that. And that's hard work sometimes, I think. And it can be frightening work because yeah, it, seems, it seems like it could easily feel very daunting. Yeah. And it's not easy. Like, I don't no, find that no, that's no. something that you just stop for 10 seconds. You're like, why am I feeling discouraged? Oh, there's why. 
Yeah, you might every once in a while, but that's at least not often been my yeah. experience. It's not even something that you can, I mean, like your example, it's not something you came to the realization of on your own. Right. You had to talk to someone. I did. Sometimes that can make far more of a difference than you even anticipate. Yeah. As being able to process something verbally with someone who actually has skills to help you yes. understand what's going on. Right. That's a great segue <laughs> into what we're, we're talking about next, which is how do we in general face discouragement? You know, if we've identified, well, why am I feeling discouraged? What's the root cause of my discouragement that's leading to this despair? How do we face it then? I think the first thing, and the one that, speaking for myself, that I tend to neglect is prayer. Because, I'm trying to think of how to put this delicately, but I do think we often buy into this idea, whether subconsciously or consciously, that prayer just, it really doesn't do anything. You know, I know I sometimes am like, ah, like, why would I pray when I could go talk to someone? And I'm not saying you have to, it's not an either or, but I'm saying we quickly neglect the practice of prayer in these moments. Certainly. I, th- I think you can sometimes feel like this intangible, maybe it'll work with, you know. Whatever. Yeah. It's like, well, if the person I talk to can't help me, then, you know, maybe I'll go, <laughs> I'll go pray. Exactly. But Paul, again, when he's talking about his discouragement in 2 Corinthians, that's the first thing hmm. he mentions in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10. He says, God has delivered us from such a terrible death and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again while you join in helping us how by your financial assistance by your pre- no 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 by your prayers mm. that's where he puts that is by your prayers so our, our prayers play an enormous role in this and in a matter of fact going back to that story of my yeah dark night of the soul five <laughs> years ago after that conversation i had i recognized what was happening but it didn't like deliver me immediately oh exactly and i think that's another perhaps myth we buy self-recognition or or being able to understand and see these things is super helpful but it is not a problem solver right and in addition to having the conversation with my dad which i'm going to get into in a minute that's one of the ways we face it i went to psalm 42 and 43 which both go together and psalm 42 is the psalm that goes why are you downcast on my soul why so disturbed within me hope in god for i shall again praise him my Lord and my God. And it has all these beautiful, you know, he's like, I was, I am in despair and I'm pouring out my soul to you. It's, it is the, the, desperate prayer of someone who is in the throes of, of despair and depression. And I like put a halt, which I've never really done before, but I put a halt on my normal Bible reading plan, uh, which is not like some mark of holiness, but it's like, I was in such a state that it's like, I need to wrap my heart and soul around this prayer. Yeah. Like I need this prayer answered. And so I just over and over and over and over again, went to Psalm 42 and 43. Oh, wow. And I made that my staying prayer. And that was such a, that was such a key tool is sounds almost utilitarian but it was such a key tool in getting me out of that pit of despair Mm -hmm. that psalm gave me a language and a lexicon and a way of talking about and acknowledging where i was and asking god for help right and it was so huge and helpful for me wow to realize that you know even someone like the psalmist would pray something like that was so helpful to me so of course we face discouragement by prayer but to come back to what we were talking about earlier we also can face it by the presence of friends and trusted counselors yeah and i think that's the key piece in that is trusted oh yeah that's very true don't I do think there is a tendency to want to pour out our discouragement and our despair for everyone to see. Mm. Listen, you know, I mean, I guess there's there may be a time and place to do that. But in general, if you're going to open the window of your soul and your heart all the time like that for everyone to see, man, you're yeah. going to catch pneumonia if you're not careful. You got to be very discerning. Yeah. Because these are, I mean, like you said, like they're very personal things and 
depending on what you're dealing with, you might not be the only person at stake. Right. So I, it is very important that that you're careful about how you deal with this because you don't want to lose ground. Right. You know, by opening yourself up to someone who is going to maybe approach you with like malicious intent or some sort of like right. leeching um, goal in mind. Yeah. When Paul was dealing with this, he says, God who comforts the downcast. So it's God who's doing the comforting. Comforted us by the arrival of Titus, who was a dear and trusted friend of his in the ministry. In other words, God is working out the comforting and the helping in the midst of the discouragement and despair by the simple presence and arrival of a dear friend. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need Absolutely. when you're feeling discouraged is you just need a friend to sit there, you know, on the front porch with you and, you know, sip on a soda and just, you know, sit and hang out. Not always. That's not always the answer, but right. sometimes that's, that's exactly just the kind of encouragement you need. And a friend who can help you diagnose and say, maybe this is why you're feeling discouraged mm-hmm. and let's, let's talk through that. Let's pray through that. Let right. me walk with you, if nothing else, through that. Yeah. And like I said, in some cases, like I needed to call my dad that night and feel like you need to help me figure out why and help me walk through it. Right. And he was, he was able to do that, but you got to know who to go to with those moments. Absolutely. And you need friends like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, on a semi-related note, I can't remember where I read this. Maybe it was the New York Times or the Washington Post, but they wrote this article a while back that it was like one of the leading causes of death and depression in middle aged men in particular was they didn't have any friends. Oh, that's weird. No friends. That was what was killing them. Because, I mean, it's a support structure. And you need that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the um, pictures of masculinity in our day and age, maybe not in our day and age, but one of the prevailing pictures of masculinity, and I'm getting gender specific here, so you have to forgive me, but I'm a man, so that's what I'm more comfortable talking about. But it goes both ways. Is that, you know, we got to be independent and we got to figure things out on our own, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Right. I mean, I think definitely our parents' generation yeah. had that, you know, you had to you had to be the sole provider yeah. and you had to step up and solve these problems. And I'm thinking, right. like, well, I can't solve anything most of the time. So. Yeah, <laughs> like I need all the help <laughs> I can get. Yeah, my prospects yeah. are bleak. Right. But, and that's one of the ways that God has ordained that yeah. we find comfort and discouragement is he did not intend for us to figure it out by ourselves. Mm-hmm. He wants to comfort us. God is the God of all comfort. Again, quoting Paul in 2 Corinthians, but he'll often work his comfort through the arrival of a Titus. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, he made us like uh, relational creatures, yeah. you know, speaking as someone who is very introverted and private. That's not a dig against that kind of personality type. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that no. in spite of that, there are still there's still a need for community. Yeah. And it's ironic, I think, that... Um, you mentioned that too, because I find it's kind of funny. You have people who are more introverted and you get people who are kind of like, ah, I don't really like people and they'll joke <laughs> around about that. But I find that those people love people more than anyone else I know, yeah. which is kind of <laughs> hilarious to me, you know, like I got, um, well, even like, like you as an example, mm-hmm. you know, I had to put you out here on the podcast, oh, you know, but yeah, boy. we joke every once in a while. It's like, ah, oh, man, people, yeah, you know, exactly. But you are one of the most fiercely loyal <laughs> and loving people of people that oh. I've ever met. Which is all to say that that relational structure mm. is absolutely crucial and key absolutely. when it comes to dealing with discouragement. Uh, but one of the other things I think that often happens with discouragement that helps us face it is simply sometimes just continuing to do the work that's in front of us. Because mm. I think that's one of the things where we're just like, oh, it's not, you know, I just need to stop. I just can't do it. And sometimes that um, can be what you're disillusioned with. It can be. So that's, I mean, that's a fun, tricky thing to figure out. It is. And like, like even me, like that in my room there in, you know, 2014, my discouragement and disillusionment and despair was around the work yeah. I was doing and that I was preparing to enter into, which, yeah, it becomes very tricky. But Paul says in Galatians 6, 9 here, he says, let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Mm. I do think that's a very frequent ailment around discouragement is that 
if discouragement spirals into despair, we want to give up, you know, even if it's not necessarily a discouragement that's specific to work, you know, we're discouraged about, I mean, if I'm discouraged about something in my family, I'm as quick to want to stop doing work in those moments as I am if the discouragement isn't even specifically about my work. Mm. Like if I'm like, oh man, this family situation or the situation with my friends, that has just as much a mental and emotional impact on me in my working oh, wow. as something that's directly related to my work. Right. And in those moments, it's very tempting for me to say, you know, like, I'm just, ugh, I don't know how to get through this. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to stop. <sighs> and there may be moments where you, you, do, you do need to back away. Sure. But I think more often than not, in those cases, we're wisest to heed Paul's advice and his wisdom when he says, let us not get tired of doing good. Let us continue because we're going to reap. Yeah, because it's not about becoming a workaholic to right. then That's push another, your problems out yeah. of the way. It's about, it's about continuing the good work right. that you are doing. That's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And like I just said, there are, there are definitely times when you do need to Certainly. step away. But I think more often than not, there's good work to do. You don't need to become a workaholic to push away your issues. That's another <laughs> issue. But to continue to do the good work that's in front of you. Yeah, I think sometimes carrying on that sense of purpose can in itself be a, a kind of subtle balm. Yeah, it absolutely so can. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But then the final thing, and one again that I think we're, we've turned it into such a cliche in the church, especially, <laughs> it like really bugs me and depresses me. <laughs> in some way, I'm discouraged about that. But the final way we really do that, I think is looking to the love of Christ. Okay. When Paul, in probably, I risk creating a canon within a canon by saying this, but in arguably the greatest chapter of scripture, <laughs> uh, Romans chapter eight, Paul, he just, I mean, he just goes on this, he just takes you to the mountaintops in this chapter. I mean, just the the vistas and I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I imagine this is like the Grand Canyon of, of scripture. I mean, it just, it's not going to disappoint you. You know, it's just, you're going to, okay. you're going to be amazed. Your breath is going to be taken away. But in Romans eight, he, he goes on this long chapter about how there's no condemnation in Christ. We have the spirit of Christ within us. He's adopted us. We cry out to God as our father because mm-hmm. of him. And then he gets to the end of the chapter and he says, who can separate? Separate us from the love of Christ. Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long and we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. So in other words, these are things that are happening (laughs) to Christians, to people like, uh, yeah, we're afflicted. We're distressed. We're persecuted. There are places we're experiencing famine. We're stripped down bare. We're in danger. We're threatened with the sword. We're being put to death yeah. because of you, God. Yeah. It's not, like, this is not a minor inconvenience. No, this is, this. if you have reason to be discouraged and to despair, there are all your reasons right there. Yeah, more than one of those things is, is completely life-threatening. Yes. Like, you're literally going to die. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. Holy mackerel. And what he says is, at the end all that in answer to his question, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Any of these things, all these terribly discouraging, depressing, life threatening things. No. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, which again, that's the verse that gets thrown out as a cliche. You're more than a conqueror, brother. Like I get it. Like, and that's, you know, that's fine, but it's set against the reality of, Oh, you might be killed. If you turn it into this, I don't, I don't know, is it the word platitude correct? Yes. Then it loses some weight. Right. right. Because this context, it gives it enormous weight. So much yeah. more weight than I think you know I've ever attached to it outside of said context. Right. And what he's saying is all those discouraging, like, yeah, no, you, you're more than a conqueror yeah. through Christ who loved you. With all of that, it, it gives me more heart. Absolutely. And as a final crescendo to all that, 
Paul says, it's a little earlier, but he says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, Mm -hmm. but offered him up for us all. Nice little caveat there. Yeah. He's like, hey, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to be a problem-free existence. No, it isn't. And at the end of all this, the hardest thing in the world, and maybe we'll just close with this, for those of us who are facing discouragement right now, Mm -hmm. okay? The hardest thing in the world, and the, the thing that perhaps was most at risk of separating us from God forever, I don't actually think was sin. It did. It was going to separate. Like sin will separate us from God forever. It will. And it had to be dealt with. But the only way for sin to be dealt with was for the father to send his only beloved son. That was the hardest thing in the universe was for the father to send his son to die for a bunch of wretched, miserable sinners who hated him. And what Paul says is he did not even spare his own son. Mm -hmm. In other words, he did the hardest thing in the world, offered him up for us all. So how will he not also with him grant us everything? Okay, yeah. Sword, famine, nakedness, despair, all these things are going to get you. You're still going to get everything in the end because God offered up his son for you. Wow. To quote Paul again, my, uh, don't call it my life verse, but that's like the the closest (laughs) equivalent, I guess, that uh, makes sense is Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I live in the body. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That I think is at the end of all these things, you need, you know, you need to pray, you need a friend, you need someone to talk to, but all of that is tied together, I think, by the love of Christ, by the love of the son of God who loved you, loved me and gave himself for us. And uh, hopefully that's something that provides an enormous amount of encouragement to the discouraged heart among us. Now I'm depressed just talking about all this discouragement. (laughs) I feel feel helped actually. That was great. <laughs> My life has meaning. <laughs> Take that, 2014 me. See. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's it. That's, I mean, that's not it. You know, that's not all that right. could be said upon this topic. But that's all we have time to It'll say. Get you off the ground. Yeah, it will. Right direction. So, yes. If you have questions about discouragement. <laughs> You might want to come talk to me or someone else, you know, more than that. But if you have any other questions, shoot them to... Podcast at horizonschurch.net. Yeah. Or interact with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us there. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you have an encouraging day. We'll talk to you later. Mm -hmm.